If you have a Bible, would you turn to Luke 2, if you have a Bible or if you have a phone? You can only have a phone if you're going to turn to the Bible. That's the only reason to get your phone out. Luke chapter 2. So we've heard about carols, we've heard about angels singing and hark the herald angels sing. Ah, This story about the angels comes from Luke 2. It's only in this one gospel. Let's read together, shall we? We're going to read two passages from Luke 2 this morning. Starting from verse 8, is it, I think? Let's read it together. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying... Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And then it goes on, it says, on the eighth day, they take Jesus to the temple to be circumcised and consecrated according to the law. And it says, there was in Jerusalem at the temple, there was a man, verse 25, called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There we are, that's God's word. And as we move from Christmas towards the new year, I just want to share a few reflections from this chapter that I hope will be encouraging. I want to look at the shepherds, I want to look at Mary, and I want to look at Simeon. So first, the angels and the shepherds. A familiar story, we know it all. Good news, a saviour is born, Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign, a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And you understand the sign, the sign isn't the baby, The sign is a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. That's the unusual bit. Not a baby, but to see a baby lying in a cattle feeding trough. That's the sign. So they go off and they find this baby in the manger. That's how they know this is the one. There may have been many babies, but this one is in the manger. 
I've said before, it's like if you put it in the present day, you might say, you'll see a baby in a paper recycling box. It's that sort of thing. It, it's the wrong image. It, it shouldn't go together, but that's the, that's the picture. And there it is. Wow, just like the angel had said. You never expect to see it, but there you are. The angel might have said, you'll see, you'll see a blue cow or something. Wow, there's a blue cow. It's, it's that bizarre. And then they go and tell everybody they can find. Wow, guess what? Guess what's happened? They tell them about the angels and this sign of a baby in a manger and how the angel was spot on. And everyone they tell is amazed, it says, because it was amazing. It's amazing because they saw angels. It's amazing because the angels tell them about a saviour. It's amazing because the angel gave them a sign that came true. What a night. Wonderful. And so eventually, having woken up and told everyone they can find, off they go back to the sheep, glorifying and praising God for all the things they've seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. And I've often wondered, what's the point of this? Why did God do this? Why did the angel appear to the shepherds? What does it achieve? You know, was it just that you know, the angels went rogue and just wanted to tell somebody because they were so excited? Or was it that God just wanted to bless those shepherds that night? Or was it deliberately so that they would go and tell people? And what was the point of it? And it, if you were those shepherds, I've often wondered as well, what would you think in the days and in the years ahead? Because nothing changed, did it, after that? Life went on as normal. The birth of a saviour, well, didn't seem to change anything. Same hills, same sheep, same Bethlehem. They'd never forget that night. Oh, no, no, no. I, you can imagine, you know, they're up on the hills. Oh, do you remember last year? It was last year, wasn't it? Wow, wasn't that a night? Oh, it must be 10 years ago now since that happened. Oh, you remember 10 years ago. What did we see? That was fantastic. They'd never forget it. But... Maybe some of them even died before they saw any fulfillment, before Jesus grew up and began his ministry. Maybe they never saw anything at all to help them understand what it was all about. So what was it for? Or if you were Mary, how hard might it have been for Mary in the years ahead? Because it's quite something to cope with, isn't it? They've, they've gone and told everybody, these shepherds, about Mary and her baby. You can imagine, can't you, from that day on, the nudging and the pointing. Can you imagine meeting the other mums at the school gate? Oh, you're that Mary. Oh, the one with that special baby. The angel. Oh, that's you. That's your baby. Oh. So I don't imagine it would have made life terribly easy for her, would it? As she tried to just bring up her family. So what was it for? Well, I think the answer is in verse 19. It says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Because up until now, you see, it's just been her and Joseph, hasn't it? She met Gabriel, who told her these amazing things. And then an angel also spoke to Joseph in a dream. So they know what's going on, at least to some extent. Oh, her cousin Elizabeth too, because her husband Zechariah had also had a dream. Oh, no, he'd also met an angel, hadn't he? So that's all family they all know something's wonderful's going on, but it's just them until now. This is the first external third-party confirmation of what God has told her about this baby and about who he is. And I imagine it must have been an enormous relief to her, an enormous comfort to her. 
Ah, so I'm not going mad. I really did see that angel. God really is in this. I remember when we looked at Abraham earlier in the year, the story of Abraham. I remember thinking then, you know, God speaks to Abraham and gives him these amazing promises. And we think, that's great. You've met God, Abraham. Now you can go and do this and that and the other. But then he doesn't hear from God again for 10 years or something like that. And the moment's great when you meet God, but then you have to live with that and trust for that for the years ahead. And I imagine it's a bit like that for, Abra- uh, for Mary. You know, these fantastic promises But then the doubts come and the questions, you know, did I really hear? How can it possibly be true? You get the revelation or the encounter with God or the experience and that's great. But after the mountaintop comes the valley and the cold light of day and you have to cling on to it. And the next day and you have to trust and keep trusting and maybe you've been there. You know, after Sunday morning, great service. Wasn't the worship fantastic? Monday morning at work, it might seem a different story. I can't doubt God, Mary might have thought. I know I'm pregnant, and I know it wasn't Joseph. I know it must be true, but so many questions, so many anxieties. And then the shepherds come out of nowhere, and they have also seen an angel. And the angel has told them the same thing that God told her. And he gave them a sign to prove it. And it came true. And Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Because God was... God was revealing more and more to her. Here was a confirmation she needed. And with it comes peace and reassurance. And renewed strength for the path ahead. See, she stored these things up because she'd need them to fall back on later on. These were her lines in the sand, her fixed points. God was with me that day. I don't know what's ahead. I don't know what's happening today. But I do know that. I do know what God did that night. That night my baby was born. And I know God said he was with me. So that's enough for me today. And you may have been in a similar situation in the past. You've heard God about something. You've had some revelation or some encounter. You're full of faith. But then that faith can seem to leak away, can't it, as the days and weeks go by. You don't feel so strong anymore. But if someone else then confirms it to you, you get some, somebody says and they don't even know what they're saying and they don't know your situation, but you hear God. Whoa, thank you, Lord. Or some word of prophecy or something from a stranger. Yes, Lord, that's what you've told me already. It's wonderful, isn't it? It gives you strength back. God really is with me. Come on then, bring it on. I can do this. It's something to hang on to. To remind yourself of again and again in the future. Well, that was Mary. And again, I wonder, you see, I don't know how Luke knew that was Mary's thinking. Luke's gospel, he says, I've carefully investigated everything. Maybe he met Mary as an old woman. While he was investigating, talking to the people, the eyewitnesses, as he said at the beginning of the story. Maybe he met Mary. Or maybe he met somebody whom Mary had told the story to. But I can just imagine Mary. Oh, that night. That night when he was born. When those shepherds came. Let me just tell you what that meant to me. 
And the point is this, you see, the shepherds would have had no idea. They would never have had a clue about the part they played, about the significance of their going to see the baby. They would never have had any idea how they advanced God's purposes without even trying. Simply by being the right people in the right place by God's design. They strengthened Mary. And it can be like that with us. It can be just the same with us. I'll come back to that. Let's look a bit more at Mary then. That's the shepherds. Let's look at Mary. So on the eighth day, they take baby Jesus to Jerusalem. They've been from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And now eight days later, they're in Jerusalem. A lot of traveling around. But this is the normal thing to do. There are probably lots of babies there that day for the same reason, to do what the law required. And then they take him into the temple. And suddenly... This old man comes up and he's excited and he's emotional and he takes the baby in his arms and he prays and he prophesies about him in this dramatic, this significant way. My eyes have seen your salvation. He says, now I can die happy. Here he is, this baby, the salvation of God. A light for revelation, for glory to Israel. And he speaks to Mary about the future and what this baby means. And if you're Mary, you think, wow, again. A complete stranger popping up, confirming, expanding on God's word to her. How special, how important this baby is. First the shepherds, eight days later, now it's Simeon. And it goes on, Anna, an old prophetess, confirms it again. It's just too wonderful. So all these things have happened. She's seen an angel. She's had confirmation from Joseph. Elizabeth and Zachariah have seen an angel. The shepherds have come. They've had a sign. Then the wise men come with their gifts and Simeon and Anna. All these things in her life. All saying this is what God is doing. How wonderful. Oh, how wonderful to have been Mary. Wouldn't that have been fantastic? Well, yes. And maybe no. What about all the gossip at the beginning, you see, when she's pregnant before she's married? Oh, and she denies it. She's so brazen, she won't admit it, they might have said. And now the shepherds have come. Well, that was great, but they've told everybody the story. Everybody knows what's so special about her, they might have said. Think she's better than the rest of us, does she? Whether they're nice to her, whether they're nasty, suddenly her life is in the spotlight. And then after the wise men visit, do you remember, they have to uproot and flee to Egypt. They're refugees in a foreign country because King Herod wants to kill the baby. Is that the blessing of God? Would you want that? It's not an easy road that Mary is called to walk. You see, I think that's the point. The hard road to walk and the wonderful experiences of the Spirit of God, they often go together hand in hand. When God calls us, he will confirm his call and he will strengthen and he'll equip us to fulfill it. So it can be a double-edged thing to hear God speaking to us, revealing things to us, to experience his presence. That's all wonderful. But often it's not simply to bless us, although it is that. It's also to prepare us for what's ahead, for the challenges, for the endurance, for the opposition But the harder the walk ahead, the more God will confirm his call and his hand upon us. The more he'll equip us. The more we'll know his presence and his word. From those to whom much is given, much will be required. Luke says himself in chapter 12, it's those two together. But when the walk ahead is hard, God will equip us. Now that doesn't mean it will all become easy. 
But he will grow our faith and he'll encourage us just as he does Mary's here so that we are able to walk this path to which he's called us to. And whatever, whoever we are, whatever the call on our lives, whatever the promises of God to us, great or small, circumstances will so often seem to deny it. People will oppose it so that it seems impossible. We might ask with Mary, how can this be? And the only thing we have to hold on to at times is the promise of God, the word he has spoken to us. And you see, at that point, we have to choose to feed ourselves, to focus on what God has said. He will supply all that we need, but we will doubt, is it real? Did God say, can I trust? But in those moments, in the cold light of day, we have to do just what Mary did, store these things up as weapons in our armory, in our reservoir, feed ourselves up strong. Remember what God has said. Remember what he's done. Treasure these things in our heart, as Mary did, verse 19. Also later, verse 51, after the boy Jesus has gone to the temple and they've lost him and they find him and they try and tell him off. And he says, no, no, no. And Mary treasures it, same word, treasures it in her heart. We have to ponder these things, turn them over in our mind, remind ourselves, keep them fresh, keep them strong. That's our responsibility, to treat with care, to nurture what God has given us. And as Jesus grew up, I imagine it must have been both at times a great joy, but also at times bewilderingly difficult for Mary to be his mum, just as in the temple. You can imagine Mary shouting upstairs, Jesus, time for bed. I've told you, you've got school tomorrow, turn out the light. But mum, I haven't finished praying yet. But you've been praying for hours. I don't know, it would have been different wouldn't it there must have been times when she must have prayed oh lord i just don't get it couldn't i just have had a normal boy it can't always have been easy and then you see what simeon says here verse 35 a sword will pierce your own soul too which of us would want to hear that at the birth of our child this too she must have pondered what does that mean lord And we see it, don't we, in John's Gospel, standing before the cross as Jesus dies. I imagine there's no sharper pain, there's no greater grief than seeing your son tortured to death in front of you and then you have to bury him. And at that moment, what must she have thought as the sword pierced her soul? All those promises, his birth, All those signs, it's all coming to nothing. Despite what God has said, where is it now? But of course it wasn't the end, was it? Despite appearances, despite circumstances. Because after that we see Mary just one more time in scripture. We see her in Acts 1, in the upper room, with the disciples, after Jesus has appeared as a risen saviour, after he's breathed on them the Holy Spirit, Maybe Mary even was one of the 500 who saw the risen Christ. Maybe she saw himself, she herself saw her own son risen. No longer just her son, but now her Lord and Saviour. Maybe she saw him. And at that point, despite the hurt and the pain and the confusion and the despair along the way, at that point, no doubt Mary would have said, that was all worth it. 
the young girl who'd found favour with God, who'd begun this path saying, to me be as you have said, Lord, I submit to your will. That same Mary would have said with the psalmist at the end of the story, the Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our sight. And you see, we too might have tough times to go through if, like Mary, we submit to, we embrace the will of God in our lives. But if we do that, we will eventually see fulfilment and reward that will satisfy us completely, despite the pain along the way. So that we also will stand and declare, God is good. He is faithful to me. I'll come back to Mary too. Finally, let's look at Simeon. This man who was righteous and devout, it says, verse 25. The Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. So it seems clear he was an old man. Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, he says, verse 29. I've seen it. It's here, just as you promised. I've seen your salvation. I've held him in my arms. I'm ready to die Happy just to have lived, to have seen this day, just as you said I would. And you have to wonder about Simeon, don't you? Wonder how long he'd been waiting for this day. How long had he been waiting, trusting that eventually the fulfilment of God's promise would come? Did he know what he was waiting for? Did he know it was a baby he was waiting to see? Had he been in the temple many mornings? Had he been tempted to step out himself at different points? Maybe this is the one. Maybe I have to take an initiative. Maybe I have to speak to this couple myself and maybe I'll find something out. Maybe they're the ones I've been waiting for. Or did he even worry, have I missed it? It's been so long. Maybe I missed it. But you see, at the right moment, at God's moment, it was all so easy Moved by the Spirit, it says that day, he went into the temple crowds and he saw and he knew beyond all doubt, that's the one. There's no struggling, no helping God out a bit. When God's time came, it was effortless. God saw to that himself and it was glorious. The day God had promised did at last come and God's word was true. And in all these three interwoven stories we've looked at this morning in this chapter, the shepherds and Mary and Simeon, I just want you to catch something of the bigness of God. How he's always at work, how he's always in control when we don't understand and when we don't see it. We sing a song, don't we? This new song, Waymaker, it says, even when I don't see it, you're working. And that was true for the shepherds. They didn't see it one bit. But God was working in a significant way through them, giving encouragement and strength to Mary for her own walk through God's salvation purposes. That may be exactly true of you as well. Maybe your work in Minnie's church or kids' church or with the youth. You may be planting seeds about which you've no idea the fruit of which, like the shepherds, you may never see. You may play some significant part in someone else's walk of faith by your encouragement, by your hospitality, by some act of kindness at a crucial time, by a word of prophecy. Or maybe that word of testimony that you so nervously speak out Or that stand that you fearfully take to do what is right, not what is easy. That may be one link, one crucial link in someone else's path 
of salvation and you'll never know. So as we move into a new year, I just want to say to you, keep going. Continue in the good you're doing. Do it more, whether you see results or not. Let us not grow weary in doing good, Paul says in Galatians. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Or maybe like Mary, you've got a sense of God's call on your life. Maybe in the church, maybe outside of the church. There may be things you know God has stirred in you. But maybe the road's been hard. Or maybe there's a long time of waiting. And as you enter 2020, waiting for God's purposes to unfold, you can be sure that if you really have heard God, he will see it through. Again, Paul says in Thessalonians, he who calls you is faithful and he will do it. But what you have to do is hold on to his words to you. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Feed yourself on his words. Keep them central in your heart, in your thinking. There may be a lot of time of waiting, but it's not wasted time. It's the time of God's equipping, God's strengthening, God preparing you for what's ahead. So cooperate with him. Feed on his word. Cultivate his presence in your life, in your walk with him. And if, like Mary, the walk is hard, the journey's painful, there's times that it makes no sense, then trust him, because you do not yet see the whole story. Those who suffer according to God's will, says Peter, should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Just make sure you consciously seek him for the strength you need and then persevere and see what God will do. Or for you, it may not be a calling. It may just be like Simeon, a promise for something that God has given you, something you've been hanging on to for years, hoping, trusting to see. Maybe about your family, maybe about your children, about your health, about your future, about some dream he's birthed in you. Well, just one word of caution, you do have to check that out to make sure it really is God. Because we can all be good at a form of spiritual wishful thinking. We can think we hear what we want to hear. It's important to filter things thoroughly. To be aware of that risk before we inwardly commit to them. But once you are sure, if God really has spoken, then there will come a day. An ordinary looking day, like any other, just as it was for Simeon. There will come a day when God will do it. And he won't need your help to make it happen. I can look back over my life. I can see God's promises and I can see times where things changed suddenly, just as he had said. That in ways I couldn't have imagined or dreamed. That's how God works. I am the Lord, says God in Isaiah. In its time, I'll do it swiftly. In the blink of an eye, when it's the right time, things can change. And when God's promise and when God's time come together, then like Simeon, you'll find that God himself will watch over his word to perform it, as he said to Jeremiah. So, continue to trust him. Be patient. Even when I don't see it, you're working. So this morning, you may be like the shepherds, not aware of the significance of what it is you're doing. You may be like Mary, seeking to follow God's calling on your life, even if you're wrestling with it. Or you may be like Simeon, Trusting God to fulfill his promise to you. 
Or you may not be like any of those at all. You may just be like you. But all I want to do this morning is just to encourage you as we approach a new year, a new decade, I just want to encourage you simply to commit yourself afresh to God's almighty hands. To submit to him, the one who commands our destiny as we've sung. That you're going to obey him, you're going to pursue him, you're going to trust him as the God of our lives, the lover of our souls, and just see what great things he can do in the days ahead with the little thing that we can offer him, which is our lives. Let's pray together, shall we?